Love does not equal agreement or affirmation of behavior. We're in, a, we're in a context where increasingly in our society, disagreement or, uh, or non-affirmation of sinful behavior is viewed as hateful. And it is not. Agreeing with God's word is loving regardless of how the other person feels about it. Right? So if your colleague says to you, I want you to, you know, I, I now want you to, to use... Uh, you, when, you, uh, when a woman comes to you and says, I now want you to use masculine pronouns to refer to me. Well, how you work that out is something that we'll talk about in a couple weeks. But at the end of the day, it is not loving to affirm sinful choices in, our, in, other, in the relationships that we have with other people. It's fundamentally loving to tell the truth that God's word actually provides for us. And, re- and you need to reject the push, which, which cuts at our hearts very deeply. The push in our culture is to say, if you love me, you will affirm me. And that starts with, that, you know, our kids deal with that and we deal with that. And it's, and it's just not true. We understand the impulse, but it's not a correct impulse. It's not a correct impulse. And it's possible to love people, even accept people without accepting or affirming their behavior. And we have to help our kids navigate that very tricky territory. It's very tricky territory. And sometimes love requires courageous confrontation. So if your child is with a group of friends who are actually planning or promoting sin in their little friend group, then you have to help your child realize that the loving thing to do may be to, to courageously confront that situation uh, rather, than just to, rather than just to say, well, if I care about my friends, I'm just going to accept their choices. So my, my friends are into drugs. Well, I'm not into drugs, but I, gotta just, I just got to accept them. So you know, ex- loving them actually means not confronting them. And you have to say, no, 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 no. Love requires confrontation, even courageous confrontation sometimes. Okay. Navigating disagreement. There you go. Uh, uh, Next thing, developing relationships based on truth. Helping your kids develop relationships that are based on truth, not a carefully cultivated image. There are two pitfalls in our era of Instagram, both of which are unhelpful. In the Instagram era, one thing that happens often is an idealized portrait of myself I present to the world, often helped by social media, right? So in social media, I present a version of myself uh, to the world that is idealized. It doesn't have any of my warts, my foibles, my failings, my sins. And I look to the outside world as perfect, and you can do that in person as well as doing it on social media, right? You can pretend that you have no problems, and you can go about, uh, you know, and your friends might know that the emperor has no clothes, but the reality is uh, you're still seeking desperately to make sure that you present a flawless image to the world. Well, that's not going to help your you. It's not going to help your kids. So you need to understand that uh, that is presenting an idealized picture of yourself, especially as we look forward to who knows what the metaverse is going to bring us, where we, where we put, send avatars of ourselves out into the world. I mean, gosh, it's just insane. I don't even understand it yet. i got to figure it out. 
Um, we've got to get ahead of it. But again, you're a real person. You need to relate to people as a real person, not as some idealized portrait of yourself. That's one pitfall of the Instagram era. There's another one that's on the opposite extreme, which is unhelpful vulnerability in a wrong context. You might have seen this also, again, often done by social media. I vomit all of my emotions and all of my negative emotions out into the blogosphere rather than actually discreetly working through my problems within people that can help me. Do you understand that distinction? So, authenticity, ironically, authenticity is another hallmark of our era. Everything's got to be real. Everything's got to be authentic, which means I just say everything I think. You know, I don't hold anything back. All of my uh, insecurities and all my, you know, problems and all my angst with other people, I just bleh. Well, that's, that's not helpful either. That's not helpful either. That's indiscretion. Because it's, you're doing this in a context where you can't be helped. And that's why I loved what BJ said the other week in this class, where he, he said to us, I'm worried about something. I'm worried about us at our church getting this balance right, essentially. Because some of us are able to talk about our issues out on Facebook, but we're not actually able to talk about them. We don't feel like we can talk about them within the covenant community where our brothers and sisters can actually help us. So there is distinctions between what it's appropriate to share on Facebook, at Sunday morning during the share time, in your home group, to an individual brother and sister. So we work out our sins and our issues with discretion as well as with authenticity and realness. And there's just, we have to actually make distinctions. And that's, and we're not always going to get that right, but we need to understand that we must not pretend to be perfect, nor must we vomit emotionally and relationally over others in an effort to be authentic. Okay, that's what's, and that's something you have to teach your kids too. Uh, and and oh, a lot of this again comes back to modeling. Are, do your kids watch you relate to them and others with being truthful about your weaknesses, truthful about your sins, truthful about your feelings? I, I can remember one family who once said, their 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 unbelieving kids, still fairly young, said, "Well, I can't be a Christian." Mommy, Daddy, I can't be a Christian. Why is that, honey? Well, because, you know, you have to not sin to be a Christian. And and they said, well, you know, we're Christians. Do you think that we sin? You know, ah, they they struggled with that one. You know, the idea being, you know, I, I, you know, you have to have it all figured out before you come to Christ. Are you being truthful and so that your children see you on the hard road of sanctification working out your sin by the power of the Holy Spirit, which includes often confessing sin to them and to others. Are, are they watching you be real? But again, are they, are, you, are they watching you be real in fitting contexts where you're not just blurting out, you know, your child does not need to be your therapist. Your child should not be your therapist or your, or your biblical counselor, right? That's not appropriate. You know, it may be appropriate, daddy's struggling with something, honey. Would you pray for daddy? 
you know, that would be appropriate. You telling the child, you know, yeah, I'm struggling with pornography is obviously not, right? So you you gotta you gotta find the balance between being authentic and real, and uh, and then doing that in context where you can actually be helped on the gospel. Okay, navigating particular types of relationships. I think we'll be able to go a little faster here. Navigating particular types of relationships. I divided this into relationships with peers and relationships with adults. So you're teaching your kids how to be a loyal, steadfast friend, right? Not a fair-weather friend, not a friend who, who, as soon as things get relationally tough, you eject, right? Isn't that what our culture does? As soon as friendships, relationships get tough, we pull the plug. Whereas you want to be teaching your child to be a loyal and steadfast friend, which involves going through when the relationship gets difficult, you still stick at it and you work it even if it gets messy. So you want to be teaching them to be loyal in their friendships. You want to help them to value friends who will help them to seek Christ rather than to value friends who won't help them seek him. Right? And this, this is hard, especially if your kids aren't yet themselves in Christ. But you want to be encouraging them to, with their peers, whether they're believers or unbelievers, is the, is the tenor of your friend group, is your tenor of your friend group seeking to move you toward Jesus or seeking to draw you away from Jesus? So you're trying to help them. You're trying to help them be a friend that helps others move toward Christ. And you want to help them seek people who aren't, uh, sorry, you want to help them um, seek, for, seek friendships that are going to help them move toward Christ. Okay? Uh, uh, it bears repeating, Naomi, I already threw you under the bus a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to just repeat it, that it was so encouraging to the Walters to hear that Naomi say, I'm, Dad, I'm looking, seeking out friendships. I feel like I've got a friend, group of friends that's actually going to help me pursue the Lord. And, and if he wasn't right about that, then you can tell me later. But <laughs> So you're trying, to get, you're trying to help your kids value friends who will help them seek Christ. You want to teach them to stand up for what's right, even when it's not popular. Right, so courageous, even in the context of when friends are uh, are either doing or thinking things that are that are contrary to God's word. I was thinking specifically um, teaching them to in in relationships protect those who are weaker than themselves. Right, you want to teach your kids to protect those weaker than themselves. Be looking out for those who are younger, looking out for those who are constitutionally weaker. You want to teach them to graciously resist cruel behavior. Certainly not to uh, exhibit cruel behavior, to themselves be cruel and or bullying, and also to gently, uh, to gently and courageously resist that. I was a middle school teacher. You know, you know, I watched junior high girls, you know, eviscerate one another with their words and with their actions. And you want to, you want to help your child be a force. The, you know. A, a wall against that, uh, to the degree that they're able to, to the degree that they're able to. Are you looking out? You know, I want Isaiah looking out for Miriam. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? He needs to be. He needs to feel a sense of an appropriate sense of responsibility for those who are younger and weaker than himself. 
uh, or just standing up for uh, gospel for gospel Bible truth, even when it's not popular. Right? That takes a strength of character and some backbone. You're trying to help instill that. You want them to resist enticements to sin. Right? The proverbs are full of this. The proverbs are full of uh, the father's instruction to the son to stand firm when their friends are seeking to draw them into sin. Parents, with your kids' relationships with peers, be engaged, and and be engaged with your kids' friendships. Don't be unaware of who your kids' friends are. Don't be unaware of what your kids' friends think. Uh, Be trying to engage with your kids' friends. This is a tricky one. Without making your kids your proxy for relationships. Here's what I mean by that. You can help your kid, especially when they're younger, cultivate certain relationships. But I have known situations where, uh, where a parent is so intent that that kid be my kid's best friend, that you do all sorts of weird things to kind of make sure that that happens. At the end of the day, you can't decide... Ultimately, you know, my kids are going to have these five people as their as their friends, and I'm going to then orchestrate situations and manipulate situations in order to make that happen. Because I want that for them. You know, I want them to be friends with. I mean, in the old days, it would have been I want I want you to be friends with the pastor's kids. So we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that that happens you know, to the to the distress of both your kid and the pastor's kid, perhaps. Right, so you don't want to be a pro- you don't want to you be using your friends as uh, as as your uh, as stand-ins for you in in your relationships. You you get your own friends, <laughs> you get your own relationships. Don't don't uh, insist that. Uh, just be just be gentle. Just be gentle. You want particular friendships for your kids, but and you can work to promote that. But just go easy. Just go easy. Don't try and force situations that aren't best. Yes, go ahead. Another child, be like, you know, our family, be like another family. Don't (coughs) say that to your kid. And don't say that to the other child. That happened to us. And it put our kids into a really kind of weird position I mean, these were good friends, but it's not, they're yeah. totally not helpful. You have your children, they have their children, right? So why can't you be like so-and-so isn't helpful? And certainly saying to another, you know, I wish my kid could be like you, that, that would be very unhelpful too. All right, relationships with adults. We did cover this a lot uh, last week, uh, treating adults with honor and respect. Uh, making sure that your kids are treating the adults in their lives with due honor. Openness, uh, helping them be open to relationships and mentoring with other, with other adults. This is something I took from the Larsons. Um, I have loved it. That uh, I love this idea that they have. They actually have taken the church directory and put written everybody, every family unit in the church directory on popsicle sticks and put it in a jar and then... Every once in a while during family prayer, everyone takes a popsicle stick, and then it's like, "Well, I don't know this person. Well, let's think about uh, let, let, you know, you know, 
Um, and let's actually use that as a tool to, to cultivate relationships. Or, well, let's have them over for dinner sometime or something like that. So you're, you're wanting to see, you're wanting to help them see uh, other adults as worthy of their attention and worthy of them getting to know. Right? I want my kids to know all of you. I want them not to just, you know, to know, not only to know your names, I want them to actually have, you know, to the degree that you're willing to do it, and I hope you are, to have relationship with you, you know, as, a, as, as someone else in the church uh, that's their family. Uh, you want them ultimately to be seeking, to be ready to seek wise counsel from other adults, other believing adults. Um, you want them to be able to, when uh, they're 15, to be able to pick up the phone if, if they need to talk to someone other than you about something challenging. I want Isaiah to have about all the elders and about seven other men in our church on, on his whatever device I allow him to have. Um, <laughs> that he can go and say, I, you know, or, or that he would say, Dad, can, can I'd actually, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can I actually go and talk to Mr. Munger? Yeah. Yeah, then that I wouldn't feel offended by that, but that I'd be eager to promote that. So, because again, your children need other gospel voices in their lives instead of you. I can remember when, um, when uh, one of you dads uh, uh, encouraged your son to to come and approach me and uh, to talk through something that he was really struggling with, and I really appreciated that. And I think that that's what we want to be promoting: you know, cross pollination. All right, finally, our relationship with our teammate. This is going back to all the way to session one that I never got to. The priority of your relationship with your spouse in working uh, and helping your children with relationships. The priority of the wife team. Sorry, connection just still challenging. Um, The priority of the team. You need to promote the priority of the husband-wife team as the central unit within your family. Right? The priority of the husband-wife team with respect to the kids. Remember, you and your spouse were the family before they ever came along. And they will be one day the family again. You and your spouse will be the family again once they've all grown up and gone away. Right? The central unit is you and your spouse, which means you have to prioritize your relationship over your relationship with your kids. You need to prioritize it with respect to yourself. You have to promote the team's good rather than your own individual good. Right? If you're the husband, you need to be promoting the good of the team, of the husband-wife team. Wives, the same thing. You're not promoting your own interests, seeking your own interests. You're seeking the interests of, of the marriage. That is going to be what's best for your child. So you're, you're not having a home that's surrounded, that you're not promoting a home that's always got all of your preferences met, regardless of what your spouse thinks. Um, or uh, you're not willing to accept correction and criticism and uh, rebuke from your spouse. Why is that? Well, if you're in Christ and your spouse is in Christ, your fundamental relationship is actually that of brother and sister rather than husband and wife. Do you ever th- think about that? Your brother-sister relationship will carry into eternity. Your husband-wife relationship will end when one of you dies. So, the, so we need to be pr- ready and able to speak into one another's lives as husband and wife. We need to, we need to be clear on respective roles in, with our teammates. So the team has a leader, 
right? God's given the husband the leadership role on this team, which means that the husband has to lead with respect to the good of the team. I like to think of Tom Brady with respect to that, right? What did Tom Brady do in order to get his, the, in order to do what was best for the team? He took a relatively, relatively low salary in order that the team's good could be promoted and they could get other good players. He didn't seek his own interests first, sought the good of the team. That's what a leader, that's what the husband needs to do, be promoting the good of the team with his leadership. He uses his wife as the invaluable area expert, and she needs to feel the freedom to speak into that context. And at the end of the day, though, she submits her opinion, submits it with strength when appropriate, you know, as it often is, and then you then then wives, you need to realize that at the end of the day, then you trust your husband's leadership. That's what's best for your family. It's what's best for your kids. Fondness and passion for your teammate. Have you ever thought about how the twinkle in your eye for your spouse is so important for your kids' well-being? What happens in a marriage where the spouses have lost that twinkle? How does that go for the kids? Well, what do the kids learn from that? That marriage isn't the place where satisfaction and fulfillment is to be found. Well, I guess it must be somewhere else. Uh, how about how about even in, how about even having a mutually satisfying sexual relationship between husband and wife? I would not discount the importance of that for your kids. Not that they know the details of that, obviously, but do they know that you have the hots for their mom? That you have the hots for your dad, their dad. They need to know that because they need to realize, because that's a picture to them of the faithfulness of God for his people, the faithfulness of Christ to his church, and the faithfulness of you to one another. I've, I've heard it said, I wonder, you could never get anyone to be honest, but what if you took a stat of promiscuous young people and, and looked back and said, how many of them had, had parents who were married and who, who were deeply passionately in love with one another. You know, if that is seen to be a satisfying, glorious relationship, then that's going to have uh, effects on how, you, what, how your kids view marriage and ultimately how your kids view the gospel. So if you need help on that, if you need help because you've lost the twin house, get help. Get help. Your kids need to see that you're still hot for them. Not for them, for your spouse. <laughs> yeah, that, don't, don't neglect that or think that they won't know, because they will know. They'll pick it up. They'll pick up on it. Last thing in the last couple minutes, beware of undermining your teammate in parenting. Beware of undermining your teammate in parenting. That means that if you have a beef with your spouse... Work that out behind closed doors. Whether that's a parenting disagreement or whether you just are having a conflict, it should not be a question in your home. You should not be hearing, Dad, why are you so mad at Mom? Right? Because you're 
banging around the woodshed, you know, using your tools, or you're in the kitchen banging your pots and pans, you know, and they all know that it's because mom and dad are having a fight, right? Work that out behind closed doors. It's not being dishonest. It's just you need to do that. You need to be not undermining your, their confidence in your teammate. You need to honor your spouse with your speech rather than speak disparagingly of your spouse. You want to honor your spouse with your speech because your kids have a responsibility to honor their father and mother. So if I dishonor Elisa with my words before my children, that teaches them that mom is an appropriate recipient of dishonorable speech. But they're called to honor her. And so that needs to continue to be... You need to be promoting honorable speech and only speaking of the spouse with honor. And last one, with, which has a caveat, don't side with your kids against your spouse. Don't side with your kids against your spouse. Your kids should never have the idea that it's, in, in, in the case of our house, the number of kids we have, it's, it should never be four against one, right? Where, where one spouse is siding with kids against mom or against dad, right? This is a team, and the team relationship is the most important. So... It doesn't mean that you're, this is not a cover for abuse. You know I'm not saying that. But even difficult situations where you're at odds with your spouse, even over parenting questions, can be worked out by appealing privately and seeking outside counsel and help. Don't be tearing down or undermining your spouse in the context of your parenting relationship. All right, let me close this up. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the, our teammates. Thank you for our, uh, our spouses and how important they are in our kids, how, how they, our kids are benefited by the fact that they're not just around us all the time with all our weaknesses, but they get, a, they get uh, good things from our spouses. Lord, we pray that you'd help our kids to be able to relate well to one another and to other people. Uh, Lord, especially help them to relate well to you by being united to Jesus Christ by faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.